Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to Running in Public. This is the weekly podcast that empowers you to build your running routine while also making strides in your career. I'm your host, Chacho Valadez, and this is my first ever podcast. I'm so, so happy about it. In each episode, I sit down with a startup founder, operator, or leader to talk about their experience of running while they also build and run their companies. You'll walk away feeling empowered to run your next mile while also making strides in your career. And honestly, we support any form of movement on the podcast that suits your lifestyle. So whether you like to run, walk, bike, or swim, or whatever it might be, we're all in this together. Running in Public is sponsored by Arlen Hamilton's new recruiting and retention startup, Runner. A really cool name, if I say so myself, and totally coincidental on both our parts. Are you an entrepreneur who wishes there were more time in the day? Have you ever said, I wish I could clone myself? Then Runner is for you. If you find yourself spending more time scheduling, researching, and fielding emails, then talking to your customers, strategizing, and resting, Runner could be a game changer for you. Get matched with fractional and temp to hire operations talent who want to work at your inclusive startup. Fast-growing, larger companies are using Runner to hire dozens of operations talent at a time. Runner is a head of recruiting's best friend. Interested in learning more or becoming a runner yourself? Apply at HireRunner.co. That's HireRunner.co. Everyone, I'm super excited about today's episode with Chris Lestrino, the founder and CEO of King's Crowd. King's Crowd is the first rating and analytics platform for online private markets. And before I get into Chris's background here, uh, I want to say that we announced a partnership backstage that is with King's Crowd late last year, and we'll include the press release from that partnership in the show notes. A little bit about Chris. He's prior to founding King's Crowd, he served as a consultant at LEK Consulting, focusing on private equity due diligence. Before that, he ran finance operations at Freebird, a, a travel tech startup. And then he also founded a simple innovative change, a fintech publication focused on alternative investments and lending, and was even a finalist for the 2018 Lendit Fintech Journalist of the Year. He talks a little bit about his love for writing in the episode. Chris graduated from Boston College with a business degree in operations, information systems, and marketing. And a few of the themes that I really enjoyed throughout this episode, he talks about running the Boston Marathon three times while at Boston College as a Boston College bandit, as he says. And then the way he uses running to solve big business problems, he talks about um, figuring out how to make three acquisitions all while going on runs and really thinking creatively through running and making these big business decisions. And at the end of the episode, he gets into his philosophy on company building and the way he thinks companies should be run. And it's something that I truly believe in. And I think um, it is sort of like a value of mine as well. And I'm paraphrasing here a little bit, but he says that it's easy to work a lot. It's really hard to work smart while also being thoughtful about your work and how it empowers others on your team. And he goes into thinking long-term and having long-term sustainability, thinking in years and decades, not days and quarters. And this is a philosophy and even this years and not decades thing is something that Arlen talks about a lot at Backstage and is something we really try to um, like be part of, of the way we, we run Backstage. And so it's super important. 
This episode is 36 minutes long, so definitely get ready to go on a walk, bike, run, maybe even you're washing the dishes as I'm often doing while listening to podcasts. And so really excited to get into this episode. Chris Lestrino, I should have asked you before we recorded if, I, if I, that's how you pronounce it. Is that right? Spot on. Great, cool. So Chris is the founder and CEO of King's Crowd and a little bit about King's Crowd. They're the first rating and analytics platform for the private markets. And so over the past 20 years, some of the best performing companies have been in the private markets. And thanks to a lot of advances in technology and also improvements in regulation, there have been more and more retail investors or just everyday investors who can invest in private companies through platforms like WeFunder and Republic. And King's Crowd is a place to go to have all your analytics and insights and ratings on those companies. And so that you can make the most informed investment as possible. So Chris, thanks so much for joining me. I'm really excited to be here, Chacho. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I agree. Yeah. So first question is, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah, it's a, I guess it's a loaded question, but I'll, I'll try and uh, be short here and hit you with some of the highlights as they kind of tie to running since we are on a running podcast. So, you know, grew up in New York, was the youngest of three played soccer growing up. And then when I was in high school, I saw my brother, he started running cross country. And as a youngest brother, my, my tendency was always to want to do whatever it was that he was doing. And it just seemed like this incredible challenge. You know, I never heard of anyone running 3.1 miles just for the fun of it. So I decided to join the cross country team with him and, and ended up, you know, really falling in love with the sport. I was absolutely the worst person on the team in my first race ever. I came in second to last of probably about 400 people in the race, but I told myself, okay, that was second to last. And let's just make sure I never finished last. (laughs) Ran throughout high school. I had an amazing coach that really pushed me, especially in junior and senior year to to places that I never thought I could go kind of mentally. Uh, And in senior year, I ended up running uh, a PR at my last race that was like a two minute PR. I think my 5k was around 23 minutes, which for me was like a huge deal. And I felt really, really proud of that. So when I went to college at Boston college, I didn't want to give up on running. I was so excited. I finally felt like I was not a bad runner anymore, right? I was the fastest in my gym class and the slowest on the team, but I was still much better than the average person. And I just found it so rewarding and powerful. So went to Boston college found out that they had a running team that would run in the marathon as bandits, aka we wouldn't qualify, but we would run regardless. And the cool thing was we were raising money along the way for children with special needs. So I did that for three years while I was at Boston College, and it was a really incredible experience. Um, And then when I left, the first company that I was at actually had a running club as well. And I think you could see kind of this underlying thing, which is wherever I go, running does follow. And it's become probably the most powerful mechanism I've had as a founder to really kind of keep things in check in my life, keep myself mentally sane and and able to kind of get through the challenges of being a founder. And frankly, I think it really parallels kind of the experience of being a founder. So anyway, that's kind of a little bit about me. Excited to get into the conversation though. I appreciate it. That's um, like really cool the way you got started. Is have you ever raced your brother or since then? <laughs> so the cool thing is my brother was so much faster than me and definitely a much more natural runner than I. If you look at my build, I'm like five eight and a kind of stocky, like bigger guy. And he looked more like a real runner. For the first, you know, three, four years, he was definitely faster than I. 
it wasn't until after high school we were running on a summer vacation and I had been training all summer. That was when I started getting into the marathon stuff. It was the first time that I ever slightly outran him. But other than that, he's always been faster. And I, I totally appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, that I'm the oldest brother. And so it's like, <laughs> I, I definitely have memories of like sprinting across the yard and seeing if we can beat each other and that type of thing. And so that's why I asked. <laughs> and so I never let my brothers win. Yeah, just great memories there. So why do you run today? Why do I run today? So, you know, from my perspective, a lot of people talk about, um, you know, meditating, right, to get into a good state and to clear their mind and all of these things. And I think for me, what I found about running from pretty early on is that running for me is the most powerful way to like clear my head and get to a really good place. A lot of the hardest problems I've ever had in building King's Crowd, I've been able to solve on a run. You know, we've acquired four companies along the way since I started this company with next to no money that required a lot of creative thinking. Nearly all of that was solved on runs. Running is my way. I, I can't meditate. I've tried. I've tried a lot, you know, and you, you sit there and I, I'm like a fidgety person. I move a lot. So I, it just doesn't do the trick for me. But I find that when I'm running and my whole body is moving, what it allows me to do is it finally gets my head to just be able to like focus in and I'll start a run. And when I start the run, my head is just so full of stuff. And for the first half hour, 45 minutes, an hour, it'll just be thoughts flowing through my head and, and problems that I'm facing, things I'm trying to figure out. And it'll just constantly be going through my head. And the best part is when I get to the end of a run and my head's just clear, there's nothing left. I'm like, all right, I'm out of thoughts. Let's stop running right here. For me, it's really, really powerful to just keep me even keel, feeling good, solving problems in my life. Like it, it, it's such a powerful tool, you know, in, in my life. So I, I don't see stopping anytime soon. It, it really is something that has helped me kind of build mental fortitude and work through a lot of things over, over the past many years. Yeah. I've definitely had that experience where I'm running and just, there's a lot on my mind and we've even had a founder snig to sir, I think episode two, she talked about how sometimes in the middle of the day, she just goes out on a run just to clear her mind. And she'll tell her team like, Hey, I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I need to get out of here for a little bit. No, yeah. it, it, it really works. It's like, I've never found anything that will, if I'm really not feeling great, like literally after three, four days, say I haven't gone on a run or something, you know, my wife just says, why don't you just go for a run? I'll just come back like this wholly new person. I just feel so much better. So it's, it's really powerful for me. Everyone has their thing. This is my thing to really kind of clear my head. That's funny. Yeah. I know sometimes if I get agitated or something or a little bit more agitated than usual or easier than usual, my wife, my wife says, you should probably go on a run. <laughs> you <should have it. laughs> yeah. Do you listen to music or podcasts while you run or are you just in your own thoughts? Yeah. So I, I do listen to music. Music is definitely something I enjoy listening to while on my runs. I, I will say that if I'm going for a really long run, so I've done, I did the Boston Marathon three times in undergrad, and then I've done a few half marathons, and then I just did the Chicago Marathon back in October. And I will say that when I've gone out for those long runs, sometimes after like an hour and a half or two hours of running, like I just can't even listen to music anymore. It just starts to feel like people are shouting stuff at me and I'm like, I just need some peace and quiet. So I definitely have a balance, but on shorter runs, 5K, 10K type of thing, I really enjoy listening to music and it definitely gets me in the zone. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, how was the Chicago marathon? I've always wanted to run it, but haven't had a chance. 
So having done the Boston Marathon three times, and so the cool thing about being at Boston College was that Boston College is actually at mile 21, which is pretty famous because you spend mile 17 to 21 running up Heartbreak Hill. It's literally a four mile hill. So when you get to 21, that in its own way is almost like a finish line. And it's a really amazing feeling. And literally as you get to BC, it just becomes this massive downhill, which is fantastic. And the BC students are going crazy. So in our training, what we would do is every year we'd have about 300 people who would run the Boston Marathon as bandits. So in our training, what we would do is we'd actually drive out to the start line and then we would just run back to BC because that was mile 21. So it was a perfect training run. So I've actually run the first 21 miles of Boston six times and the full thing three times. So the Chicago Marathon, the reason that I signed up for it was because I said, I just want a flat marathon. I think I owe it to myself to have a flat marathon. So it was really fun. Chicago turned out, it was a party all 26 miles. I got to know more about Chicago in that 26 mile run than I ever have going there four or five times. I had the best time running around Chicago. The problem was my legs did completely and totally lock up around mile 13, which was the most like devastating feeling because I was running this great time. I felt so strong and out of nowhere, I went to grab water at mile 13. I just felt both of my quads just lock up. And so the last 13 miles was literally me like toothing and clawing my way to the end. I really didn't know how I was going to make it to the end, except that I wanted to make it. So that, that took away a little bit, I won't lie, but it was definitely extremely rewarding to hit that, that finish line and be like, oh my God, I can't believe I made it. <laughs> Do you know what happened? You know, I've had this happen before, never on a race day, never at the, the full thing. I've had it happen in mile 10, 12, 14 on like training runs and I'll just stop. And it's just something that occurs from time to time in my life. I won't say often, but it occurs from time to time. Honestly, I think it's, you know, if I've been stressed, if I haven't been sleeping well enough, all that type of stuff that was occurring outside of me training for the marathon, you know, I think probably played a role. And then sometimes these things are just a fluke, right? Right. Yeah. It just happens. Bad day. <laughs> what yeah. is your, what's your running routine look like today? So, you know, it, it's a total mix when I'm not training for a marathon or some sort of long run. I typically will run anywhere between three miles and 10 miles. That's kind of my, my range that I'll go in. I rarely run less than three. And it's kind of funny. A lot of people like three miles is one of their longest runs, but for me, like it takes three to like really feel good and start to clear that head. So yeah, I'll do, you know, three to four times a week. I'll, I'll, I'll run right now after the marathon. I, every time that I do a marathon, what happens for the six months after is I kind of get into other stuff, you know, cross training a bit, actually doing more like sprints and things like that, just to change it up. Cause I get so tired of those long, tedious runs. So recently I've been doing a lot of like stationary bicycle, a few miles on the treadmill. Maybe I'll do like really hard sprint, like an orange theory, things like that. I'll go and do like really hard sprints. So I've been enjoying kind of mixing it up recently during marathon training. You know, I'm running five to six days a week and going anywhere from three miles to, you know, 18 to 20 mile runs on the weekend. So it feels good to kind of backpedal a little bit and just do those shorter fun runs. Yeah. The cross training is super important too, because you're able to actively sort of heal those muscle fibers while also getting in some aerobic exercise. You know, cool. I, I think one of the things for me is like, when you're, when you're training for a marathon, you're training for one very specific thing. 
And so you kind of get into this like narrow view of what the world is, you know, it's like, oh, it's all about just getting your legs to go further and further and further. And when you finally get out of that, it's like, you know, my core wasn't strong enough. You know, I had been working on my arms as much. There was all these things that I had let lag. And I think just like holistically, if you looked at my whole body, I just wasn't where I really wanted to be because it became so focused on, I just need to make sure I can finish this race. So it's actually felt good to kind of get to a more balanced place and be doing the other stuff outside of just the running. Oh yeah. I've definitely fallen into that. <laughs> uh, so you learn so much along the way. So on that, I guess, what do people tend to miss about running that you find important? So something that people gloss over that is actually really important when it comes to running, especially these longer distances. More than anything, running is probably 90% mental fortitude, 10% physical in many ways. And I say that because over the years, I have met and talked with so many runners that I know. All of them, I guarantee you, are better runners than me. And they always say to me, oh, I can never do a marathon. Like, that's so cool. Like, I give you so much credit. And it's like, you could. Mentally, you don't want to or you're not ready for it. And that's absolutely fine. But physically, they are so much more able than I. And what I've learned over the years is that it really comes down to that mental strength, that willingness to say, I'm going to fight through the pain, the agony, all of that stuff, because it's not about running the fastest mile or, you know, whatever it's, it's really about, can I hold up through kind of this grueling process that can last four or five hours? If you're not a super fast runner, that is an incredible amount of time to just be out there with your legs, one foot in front of the other. And so for me, you know, if you don't think you're a runner, I'd say, I think anyone can be a runner. You just have to say, am I willing to kind of submit to that pain, submit to the things that come with it and say, I'm going to push through that anyway. And I, I certainly am not recommending that. I don't think that's a, a need or a necessary thing you have to do. I just think a lot of people don't realize that we're all capable of it. If you really dive deep down and say, I got this. Totally. Yeah. And it doesn't always have to be painful either. I think there's certainly if you're going like on a longer run towards the end or maybe middle towards the end, it gets like, okay, what am I, why, what am I doing <laughs> here so it's just like your brain starts like tricking you into stopping wanting to stop at least but if you're running a little bit slow and just kind of taking it easy maybe you're listening to a fun podcast then it's actually really enjoyable and doesn't have to be always painful absolutely not and i think there's two things that go to that so first off if, if you're already in a mindset of just like negativity, and I'm not saying you can't start to run a negativity and be like, I want to get to a positive place. But if you're in a mindset of negativity, you're just kind of stuck. You're in a rut on some day and you don't have a willingness to like hear yourself out. If that's how you start out a run, you're probably going to have a tough run because you just, if you're struggling with what's up here in your head, you're, you know, everything that you feel in your body, you're going to be like, oh, of course, another thing that's hard, another thing that doesn't feel good. And it's going to make it really terrible. So, you know, you need to go in with some positive self-think about how it's going to go. And that really can change the game. The second thing that I really like to do, if you are training and you're trying to get to longer distances, is you tell yourself, like, if you're going to do a 10 mile run and that's the longest you've done, work yourself up for like three days. Like I'm doing 10 on Sunday, even like tell people, I'm like, yo, I'm going to do 10 on Sunday. And when I get there, I'm like so committed to 10 that when I get to three and I've never done 10, I don't feel like that's crazy. I'm like, I'm going to 10. Like I feel good at three. And it's amazing. If I tell myself I'm going to do three, I'm tired at two. If I tell myself I'm going to do 10, I'm tired at nine. 
So tell yourself where you're going and it makes it a lot easier than being like, oh, I think I'm doing 10, but maybe I'll do seven if I'm tired. You'll never make it. Sure. Yeah. I, one of the mental tricks I like to use is if I'm going on a, let's say 10 mile run and I'm at mile six or seven, I just ask myself, have you run three miles before? Have you run four miles before? Like you've done this before, like you can definitely finish this. And so that really helps put a little bit of perspective in the middle of a run to be like, well, I've done this before. You may have not run the 10 miles before, but you've run three miles or whatever it might be, or even it's just half a mile. You're just like trying to like continually slowly progress along your way. I I love that. I, one of my kind of like nerdy finance jokes is that it's kind of like economies of scale. It's like, if you run 10, like what's the big deal running 11, right? It's like one tenth of what you've already run. It's not, if you've run 12, why can't you run 15? It's only, you know, whatever, 15% of what you've run. Like the numbers become smaller and smaller on a percentage basis as you grow. So it's like, ah, it's economies of scale. Don't worry about it. Sure. Yeah. I think it is a good rule of thumb to, if you are getting up there and I'm not a running coach, but from what I've seen is like, just add 10% extra on your like weekly mileage per week. So if you're running 10 miles a week, only add one more, add one mile and run 11 miles the next week. And then slowly start to like compound on that, like compounding interest (laughs) since we're talking finance. So what's your favorite thing about running? My favorite thing is I have a lot of favorite things, but one of them is, is the places that it's taken me and the things that I've got to do with it. Right. So like I said, got to run in the most prestigious, incredible marathon in the world in Boston three times. I got to experience Chicago this year. When I was in school at BC, I ran my freshman and sophomore year and then junior year, I was actually abroad. And while I was abroad, I was literally at a dinner. We started getting these messages on our phone that the bombings had gone off in, in Boston. And, you know, had I been in that marathon at that moment, my friend who always finished about two to three minutes before me finished two to three minutes before everything happened. And I just kept thinking, my gosh, I, I could have been there. I could have, you know, I would have been there if, if I had not gone abroad. And that really hit me in, in a big way. And so I decided that, you know, I want to do something to kind of honor what had occurred. So I actually went off and ran a, uh, a half marathon in Trieste, Italy. And it was this incredible half marathon, literally running along the coast of Italy. You're looking over at Croatia in the water. And the coolest thing was, you know, I was wearing my, my Boston College shirt to kind of honor Boston. Um, they were honoring Boston in the half marathon. Like they, they were talking all about it. We had a moment of silence before the race took off, all of these things. But it was an incredible experience, a really beautiful one. You know, I, I did a, a tough mutter right after one of my marathons and got to run up a mountain in Vermont with 20 of my friends and have this incredible experience. I've done a, you know, a triathlon after school in Falmouth, uh, Massachusetts, like right on a beach and like running across a beach. I've gotten to do all of these things because of running and have these really special, unique experiences that have really been a big part of my life. And, and I wouldn't have had them without running. So running, the, the beauty of it is that it's a sport that with no equipment, with no money, with nothing, you could just go outside of your house and go on a run. And, and that for me, it's very accessible and you can do it for life. And I, I think that's really, really cool. Yeah. Well, first of all, it's so glad that you're here. You know, that would have been absolutely tragic and that was tragic, of course. And thanks for sharing that. And I think it's something that yeah, you just, it was just a terrible, terrible day. And I do love how running brings like community in, in a in a different way than 
other things, I guess. And I don't know anything else to compare it to, but you, I do really get this sense of like anyone who's running or walking or biking or whatever it might be. Like there's a sense of camaraderie around, well, we're all moving together, which is really cool. Well, I, when I was at Boston College, we had this group, almost 300 of us that would run every year. And the coolest thing was right after the bombings, basically the, mar- the marathon knew that we would run as bandits and that we weren't qualified and we didn't have numbers. And they were okay with that because they loved all the colleges partaking. But after they said, listen, we have to tighten security. We can't do that anymore. But the coolest part was still about 200 students showed up the next year. And what we did was we ran the week before because we ran for these students with special needs at this very special school on campus at BC that teaches children with special needs. And we still raised the money. We did all of that. We were a group that continued to go out on our long runs together. I mean, there was amazing camaraderie within that group. It was a really cool experience to run with so many different people and some of my friends. And we went out and ran the week before and all of the families who were involved with the the special needs students came out and provided us water along the course. They gave us medals. That was the first time I ever got a medal because I wasn't qualified, so I never got a medal. And it was this like really, really special experience. But there was something about going through that marathon and sticking together and doing it anyway, even though we couldn't have necessarily the experience we wanted and still showing up that it just tells you what the whole running thing is really about. Yeah, absolutely love that. And right now we'll take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, Hire Runner. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, HireRunner.co for all your fractional and temp to hire operations talent needs. Now let's get back into the show. Thanks everyone. Glad to have you back. So right back into this interview here, Chris, how does running affect your work? Boy, I really, <laughs> I like, I have to wonder what King's Crowd looks like today, what King's Crowd would like, would look like without running, right? So today I started the company back in May of 2018. So we're coming up on four years here. We've raised almost $4 million from about 3000 individual investors uh, we have several VCs invested. We have several really notable figures invested. We have 23 full-time staff. We have the former CTO, Dow Jones. We have a former chief counsel at Bank of America, revised by one of the former CIOs of City. We have just incredible people involved in this organization. We've built a company that now has over 400,000 total subscribers. We've rated billions and billions of dollars of transactions with our proprietary rating algorithm. And we've created this trusted brand in this new market that didn't even exist five years ago. And one of the ways in which we've done that is by acquiring four companies along the way that have become our data infrastructure, product offerings, and user base. So much of the decisions that I've made along the way have come while on a run and and thinking through how can I make this thing that's not working work? How can I make that acquisition when I have no money, no resources, nothing. (laughs) How do I do this? How do I make these really hard things happen? And I have to tell you, I I mean, it's not sitting at a computer. For me, it's all been about being out there and figuring out the hard problems and solving through them over hours and hours of running and just thinking critically about how this would actually work. And when I'm on a run, my thoughts just become so much more creative. So anyway, that's, you know, I think that King's Crowd would look very, very different today, perhaps not quite as successful had I not been a runner. Oh, it's a powerful statement for sure. 
so on that note, would you consider running as like kind of part of your role as a founder? Like, I guess if, if I were to say like, is running part of your job description? (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to say it is no, you know, I would say running for me, you know, it, it is, it is essential to, to doing what I do. I think so much of your role as a CEO is having a clear head, being able to think creatively, being able to get away from work and have a clean view on, on what you need to do and how you need to make things work. So much of that doesn't happen when you're overthinking, you're sitting at a computer for unending hours, all of this stuff. One thing I would mention that I think is overlooked by founders is, you know, well, I don't have the time because I'm a founder. No, you absolutely have the time. In fact, it's one of the most important things you can do. And if it's not running, maybe it's cycling. If it's not cycling, maybe it's swimming. Whatever it is for you that gets you out of the office and thinking differently and getting some space, it's so critical to the longevity of you doing your job. And frankly, I would say that running very much parallels your experience as a founder, right? When I was in a Chicago marathon and my legs locked up at mile 13, I just had the highest high. I was feeling like, oh my God, I'm going to get a record time. I'm crushing it. And then I'm just completely demoralized and kicked down and is like, I don't even know if I'll make it. And then struggle through, end up with this sharp shooting pain in my foot around mile 24. Be like, are you kidding me? Do I need anything more to go wrong right now? And then to push through that and to see my wife and my, my good friends like right near the finish line and just took off and said, screw it, I'm, I'm finishing this thing. And having the highest high at the end, And then for a month after that, dealing with excruciating pain in my foot. If you want to know what being a founder is like, it's that right there. It's the high, it's the low. It's the high, it's the low. So really great training for understanding what the role of being a founder is like. Yeah, I've I've thought that quite a bit, especially on these longer runs. But I'm like, is it just too corny to say that like, (laughs) you know, it's like, it's so much like um, starting companies and and building anything really. There's always highs and lows. Yeah. You know what? It it is corny. It definitely is. But when you're out there and you're mile 18 and you're struggling through, it feels less corny. You know, you're like, wow, this, I am battle tested. Dang, this is really hard. Yeah. And you mentioned like making time for running. How do you balance your running routine with being a founder? So I am not a big believer in this whole thing that, you know, you got to work a zillion hours in order to be successful. It's really easy to work a lot. It's really hard to work smart and say, I'm going to fit everything that I need to fit in within eight or 10 hours a day. Being thoughtful about where you work and what you do and what you hand off and making sure that you're empowering others to do the work so that you're not doing everything make sure you're not micromanaging decisions. I think that type of culture from my perspective is just not one that I believe in. I believe in long-term sustainability, right? For me, I tell my team all the time, I don't think in, I don't want you to think in, and I don't think in days, months, or quarters, I think in years and decades. If we are truly a successful company that's transformative and helps hundreds of millions of people become empowered investors in this new world where they can invest in any alternative asset you can imagine, that's a 10, 20, 30 year time horizon where we could really make a massive impact. What you do today, if we're a day ahead of schedule or something is not going to impact that long-term curve. And that's the curve that I'm working towards. So I believe really strongly in sustainability. I don't think you should kill yourself and work a zillion hours. I think you should be thoughtful so that you can be around for the long-term. I've been doing this for over four, you know, yeah, really over four years now since when I really started getting things going. 
I've been preaching this message day in and day out, and we've accomplished an incredible amount. And I, I, I do tell people a lot as well, you know, you'll o- always overestimate what you can do in a year, but you'll heavily underestimate what you can do in three or four years. And if you said we went from an idea on paper to 4 million raised, 23 full-time, hundreds of thousands of subscribers, all this stuff, you know, I wouldn't have believed you, but here we are. And that's because I've taken that long-term lens in everything that I do. You need to make time to make sure you're balanced and taking care of yourself. Yeah, absolutely love that. And it's something that I truly believe in as well. Quickly, I guess last question before we do this quick fire round is how do you have that sort of same approach when it comes to your practice of running? Definitely. And it's one of the things that sometimes takes me out of the marathon training is I'm not a believer in, in overdoing anything. I don't think it ultimately leads to the right results, right? The only time I've ever gotten hurt is during marathon training. Why? Because I'm pushing my body beyond where it really wants to go. So I do try and take a balanced approach. That's why when I'm out of marathon training, really what I focus on is, is being balanced and cross training and doing stairs and stationary bicycles and all that kind of stuff, just to mix it up and take care of the whole body rather than just the legs and the running. Yeah, it's so important. And anytime I've gotten injured is because I'm pushing myself too much to do. <laughs> exactly. I'd say we're all victims of it. <laughs> yeah. I think as like people who really strive for a lot, we really push ourselves <laughs> one way or the other. So yeah, we'll get into this quick fire round answers. I would say 60 seconds or less, and we'll get right into it. So if you had to recommend one book to your younger self, what would it be? Whoa. One book to my younger self. You know, it was one of the books that inspired me to start King's Crowd. And when I was reading it, helped me get comfort with this idea of like taking risks and it, it's going to be really hard, but it's worth it. And it's by Ben Horowitz, The Hard Thing About Hard Things. I read it pretty early on. I wish I read it even earlier. Thank you. What was your dream job as a kid? I wanted to be a sports journalist. So, you know, I'm not actually a very athletically talented person. Maybe why I like running because there's really no proxy for if I'm actually talented or not in a way. But yeah, I wanted to be a sports journalist. I thought that would be the coolest job in the world. I was a massive Yankee fan growing up. And so, you know what? I ended up starting this blog that blossomed into becoming King's Crown. I love writing and that's definitely a part of of my passion as well. So do you still write today? I do, yeah. And I'm actually trying to get back into writing for King's Crown and doing stuff that I was doing very early on, but started to put out some like more thought pieces on our market and what we're working on. Cool. What was um, your first job? My first job, I was a maintenance guy at a summer community in upstate New York. And basically I would cut the, you know, I think it was like 50, 60 acres and take care of all the old houses. And it was mostly like 70 to 90 year olds. So taking care of whatever problem they asked me that day, whether it was carrying their groceries or, you know, cleaning their decks. Very cool. So fill in the blank here. Running is blank. Running is an outlet to both clear my head and to provide me with a creative space that I don't have elsewhere. Awesome. If you had to listen to one song on repeat for an hour long run, what would it be? So I I think my college roommates will laugh at me for this one uh, because I've done it before. Uh, Fast Car by Tracy Chapman. Couldn't tell you what it is about that song, but I could just listen to that thing on repeat. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What's your go-to running app? Uh, go-to running app. You know what? My go-to running app is, is not having a go-to at all. I, I prefer to kind of just be free of all the gadgets and stuff. I'd rather just like be out there and not have to deal with thinking about, you know, the time, the miles, that stuff drives me crazy. 
Oh, that's very interesting. I'll, have to, I'll have to talk to you more about that offline. <laughs> <laughs> and so when's the last time you were proud of yourself? Can be professional or personal? You know what? Recently, I we did some feedback forms internally at Kingscrad, and I received a lot of feedback from nearly all of our team members. And, and there was like one kind of repeating theme, which was that I empower people and make them feel appreciated. And that was like not a, not like a, you know, a button that they clicked. That was something that they wrote down. And like, if there's anything that I'll ever be proud of, it's that you make other people feel really good and feel appreciated and make sure that they know that. I don't think there's anything better you can do as a leader than that. That's incredible. I love hearing that. And that's a good segue into this last question here is what's your favorite thing about yourself and why? You know, I really appreciate my my optimism, my view on the world. I don't wake up every day seeing a problem as a problem. A problem is an opportunity. And I've come to understand that that is not how everyone thinks. I've come to understand that when you have a bad day and say, I had a bad day, but I deserve to have a good one. So I'm going to have a good one anyway. But that's like not a normal behavior. I've come to learn that when you run and you come home and you're super happy and you feel amazing, a lot of people never get to experience that. And so I'm just really thankful more than anything that I get to be an optimist and feel really positive about each day when I wake up. I love that. Thanks so much. Well, it's been a pleasure having you, Chris, and I know people are really going to enjoy this episode. And where can people follow along your journey and learn more about King's Crowd? Yeah. So, you know, you could always check us out at kingscrowd.com if you want to learn more about what we're building. You could check me out on, on LinkedIn, at, you know, Chris Lestrino, you can look me up. And then I'm also on Twitter at, at Simple Innovative. I'm not a huge tweeter these days. I tend to be focused more on, on taking care of the business, but you could definitely check us out there too. Thanks so much, Chris. Thanks for joining. Thanks for the opportunity. This is a lot of fun. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you have a chance, please leave us a review and let us know what you liked about the show. And if you want to follow along with future episodes, go to your favorite podcast platform and hit the subscribe button. Or you can also go to runninginpublic.co where we'll be updating the website regularly. I'll catch you on the flippity flip.